welcome to a new episode of Mediterranean Sustainability Partners. I'm your host, Ellen Wasalina. I hope you're enjoying your summer, and I hope you're enjoying the readings that I'm doing over summer from some of my past publications that I feel are particularly relevant uh, as we prepare for our seminar in Paris, September 27 to 29, Vision Méditerranée 2022. I came across uh, one of our publications. As you probably know, I was president of a think tank, the International Geostrategic Maritime Observatory from 2011 to 2018. And I was also editor-in-chief and created uh, our publication entitled The Geostrategic Maritime Review. Now, I'm going back through uh, some of our issues and I came across number six, migration overseas uh, that uh, brought together uh, several experts, notably uh, my very good friend, uh, Professor Jean-Paul Poncracio, uh, who wrote an article for us entitled Maritime Migration Flows Across the Mediterranean, a general approach. Uh, it's a very long article, but I chose to just read a portion of it to you today. And I'll start uh, part four, entitled, What Could Be the Migratory Future of Europe? To answer, or to try to answer this question in forward-looking terms, we have to consider firstly, what could be migration flows in the near or medium term? And on the other hand, what could be the future of a European migration policy worthy of the world? A, the future of the migration flows. One, a formidable combination of mass migration in the coming years, by 2030, 2035, the three major factors of mass migration to developed countries will combine the following effects. The safe leakage factor of widespread violence in certain territories, the economic factor caused by monetary and human poverty, the climate factor caused by global climate change, desertification of some areas and rising sea levels, with consequently the exodus of hundreds of millions of people will be an aggravating factor of the first two. The report on global development recently released by the World Bank suggests that by 2030, 100 million more people will be affected by extreme poverty linked to climate change. But this deterioration will especially affect the areas where abnormal birth rates and population growth are prevalent which prevents the progression of the national will of the countries concerned. I do hope you'll enjoy this episode. Number two, the crucial question of the Mediterranean hinterland. It is very probable that the times ahead will be such that we cannot choose who enters and who remains outside unless we implement an extremely active and dynamic policy of human development throughout the southern neighborhood in Africa and in the Middle East. Despite the severity of the current crisis ravaging Syria, Iraq, and Libya, it would be wrong to focus only on these countries. Future large migratory masses that will cross the Mediterranean are probably elsewhere, further afield on the African continent. This means that at the same time, we have to manage the migration crisis on the heels of Mashrek and Middle East instability in its root causes and its effects. We should be ready for more powerful outflows from the African hinterland 
And this should send us an urgent signal to have a policy based on an overall strategic vision. It is probably in the far hinterland of the Mediterranean, particularly in the immensity of the Sahel, Niger, Mali, Chad, that is the largest reservoir of future mass migration. And many factors contribute to it. High fertility, rapid population growth, agriculture reduced to almost nothing, rampant unemployment, with a significant unemployment rate among young people, chronic weaknesses of the states, with climate change as an aggravating factor increasing the effects of all of these negative elements, chief among them the risk of hunger and malnutrition, a demography that goes into the wall, farming out a dramatic rural poverty, less than 0.5% electricity access, no jobs, a rise in tensions, over access to land, water, grazing, worsening of ethnic and religious fractures, the spread of small arms, and a huge weakness of public institutions, which means the state is absent as soon as we leave the cities. We will add fiscal resources reduced to their simplest term, given the poverty of the population and endemic corruption that is the worst enemy of development and not made to attract external financial support more sophisticated organized crime network which practices various forms of trafficking including those of cocaine and migrants radical islam that managed to establish terrorist groups like boko haram and aqem of the above, the Mediterranean countryside, and especially the sub-Saharan region, includes countries with the weakest human development index, or HDI, in the world. It's Yemen, Sudan, Mali, 176, Burkina Faso, 181, Niger, 187th and the last in the world, Eritrea, 182, and Ethiopia, 173. This is combined with the exceptional power of the birth rate throughout the area. To take the example of Niger, a country that had 3 million inhabitants in 1960 at the time of its independence, will be over 40 million in 2035 and potentially 60 million in 2050. In a relatively near future, it is reasonable to consider that there will be hundreds of thousands of young Africans from the Sahel and to the south who will attempt to journey to Europe. Already across the Sahara, where the state borders are particularly porous, the ancient caravan routes have been replenished and have become the migratory routes to the Maghreb and to the southern shore of the Mediterranean, which has itself become an immigration area. A country like Morocco is an example. For 10 years, it saw the number of immigrants double, which constitute today 10% of its population. The phenomenon manifests itself also in Algeria, even though the country refuses to assume the role of a host country and rejects 100% of requests for access to refugee status. The result is that the Sahara has never been more populous and the Maghreb more urbanized. This migration is mainly directed towards Europe, but some migrants who gave up the crossing remain behind and stay not only in the cities of the North African coast, such as Rabat, Alger, Oran, or Tripoli, but also in the cities in the interior, such as Tamarase or Seba. Tamarase today has 100,000 inhabitants, with 50,000 migrants, mainly from Niger and Mali. 
we must also say that the European Union is trying to make Maghreb states assume the mission of restraining the Sahelian migrants. The entire southern shore of the Mediterranean, its hinterland, are remarkably young, and this is a situation that contrasts with that of the European Union. The percentage of under 25 is between 40% and 50% of the overall population of the southern shore. It is thus, for example, 53% in Syria, 45% in Lebanon, and 42% in Turkey. According to a report from the World Bank, the countries of the southern shore of the Mediterranean forming the Maghreb and the Mashrek regions had an average unemployment rate, and these are 2013 figures, of 12.12% in the Maghreb, 10.9% in Mashrek, Libya, and Egypt. This internal organization, pardon me, this international organization therefore believes it would only create 27 million jobs by 2020 in the three Maghreb countries, Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia. Four million new jobs each year would require an annual growth rate of 5%. Faced with the scale of this challenge, the EU should expect a heavy continuous flow of trans-Mediterranean migrants, thus including the Mediterranean in a vast area of Euro-African mobility due to become territories commuted each other. B. The future of the European treatment of mass migrations. The European Union and its entire corpus of law are founded on the principle of the rule of law, and specifically its proper law for the management of migrants is particularly demanding in its own regard. But beyond the law itself, it is towards a new concept of co-development with developing nations that it will have to commit to assuming both its law and its power of attraction. Number one, a humanistic vocation of European law is required in the management of migrants. The European Union is facing in this area with a double challenge. First, there is the legal impossibility of the delivery of most migrants since they mainly come from non-safe countries, Syria, Eritrea, Yemen, Libya, Iraq. Yet international law and the law of the European Union, which uses the same principle and even extends it by Directive 2004-83-EC of 29 April 2004, establish a, quote, subsidiary protection, unquote, intended to apply to people who cannot benefit from main outcome protection of the Geneva Convention of 1951 on refugees, but whose security would be threatened in the country in case of civil war, generalized violence, risk of inhuman and degrading treatment. Therefore, it is a vast scope of the principle of non-suppression, which is implemented by European law and by the case law of the Court of Justice of the European Union the CJEU and the European Court of Human Rights, ECHR, the latter under the Council of Europe. This principle applies to the maritime space itself once migrants have set foot on a ship flying the flag of a member state of the European Union in compliance with the principle of law of the flag. There is, secondly, the practical difficulty of discharging migrants who are not eligible for asylum if they are in large numbers process to be legally readmitted to the Union's territory is quite complicated, and the overall financial cost of these readmissions can be considerable. On average, in France, it costs €3,000 per person, which does not include the cost of retention and the mobilization of police personnel, 
which amount to 12,000 euros per migrant. Moreover, we must add that it would be quite arbitrary to put an end to the pretext of economic immigration, giving priority to safe migration, as it is difficult to distinguish between the two. co-development era with migrants, relationships between states. The new orientation of development assistance would ultimately have the goal of establishing populations in their countries or even sending them back. This objective is designed with the view of developing the countries on the southern shores of the Mediterranean and needs to be more understood and accepted to be integrated into a more comprehensive and ambitious European scheme consisting of accepted and assumed mobility of sub-Mediterranean populations in need of economic and human development. But the challenge is daunting because it requires that it would be possible to sign development agreements involving considerable efforts in terms of good governance, fighting corruption, supporting economic management with the countries of the South, generators of migration to Europe. But such a perspective supposes that the state to deal with this is not a failed state and agrees to such a view. Relationship with migrants allowed to stay in the EU. This co-development option can also and must even take shape immediately in the territory of the EU based on the idea that the massive arrival of migrants can lead directly to a form of co-development of the European population and the governments agreeing in principle. This based on the idea of mutual enrichment cultural first, economic and perhaps even on the level of interreligious understanding. Integrating even temporarily some of these migrants from the southern shores of the Mediterranean and sometimes much further can allow us to achieve the best development aid there is, one that directly reaches its target for both men and women alike. The condition is that we are, as Europeans, sufficiently highly aware of the crucial importance of this issue for the whole world. Thus, the EU must be in position and its member states to implement a real host and integration policy and devote it all the budgetary and human resources needed. Shelters, fast treatment of the requests, linguistic training facilities, teaching European civic values, learning trade facility, and installation allowances, etc. Funding. It is easily accessible. Just reallocate a modest share of the money that the most developed states of the planet, meeting under the auspices of the OECD, 34 members, contribute to the Development Assistance Committee, or the DAC, devoted to official development assistance. In recent years, their contributions amounted to, on average, $135 billion. The year 2014 even reached a peak of $137.2 billion. Now, 19 European countries are member, members of the DAC. A country like France in 2014 paid $10.7 billion under the official development assistance. A small part of these amounts would be largely sufficient to ensure a warm welcome and the best possible integration for existing migrants. It could also be used to strengthen the renewed border control system for those who are not accepted. It is quite sad to see that on January 26, 2016, the UNHCR, IOM, and 65 NGOs in the world have to solicit funds 
550 million in order to finance a humanitarian emergency treatment plan for the refugees in Europe. A plan entitled Regional Aid Plan to Refugees and Migrants in Europe, which includes provisions of specific protection for the most vulnerable, registration and accommodation of refugees, but also many other measures. Finally, number two, the EU must assume its attractiveness. European citizens should be aware of how the EU is an archipelago of peace, prosperity, and freedom in the world. Very few places in the world manage to combine these three qualities as the EU has done, combining its founding treaties with the case law of its courts. We must be aware of the human value we offer and what it means for people appalled by war, violence, and widespread insecurity, violations of human rights and of individual civil liberties, ethnic and religious origin discrimination. Linked to the above, it is the whole of what represents the countries of Western Europe that attracts migrants. Democracy, the collective debate, security, values, life plans, social protection systems, efficient hospital systems, fundamental rights, the ability of each individual to be creative if he wants to be. Even if it is not easy for European states to balance between the ideal of humanity and the fears of their public opinion, closing borders will not be a good and fair solution. Both the borders, sorry, both governments and their peoples will have to overcome the insidious tyranny of fear. What is likely is the world of 2050 will not be that of 2016 and that it will be impossible for states of any kind to make EU territory a sanctuary. Once again, in this vast movement of contraction of the world, Europe is facing its history and destiny. There are times in the course of history where you have to deserve the name of a man and the status of the land of humanity.